it's never been as easy to switch to new card programs if you're not happy with your current card offering. And so it's important that the fintechs, the banks, and anyone launching the card proposition is keeping up to date with their current demand and their tech partner is playing a key is playing a key role in helping them to, to keep up with that current demand. Hello and welcome to the Finterview. I'm Amar Kotak from Integrated Finance. I'll be your host for today. And in this episode, we have Carl Raven, Director of Issuer Technology Enablers from Visa, a card scheme who power payments across the world. Hey, Carl, thanks for joining today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me to join. It's a pleasure. Good. I think it would be good to start just a bit about your background. And can you tell us maybe how you came into your role at Visa and where you started your career? Yes, certainly. So I've worked in the payments industry for approximately 12 years. Started my career at First Data on the acquiring side, then joined Visa uh, working in client services. So I spent four years working in the client services team there, setting up new principal members and, and new issuer processes on the Visa platform. And then since leaving Visa first time, I worked for a few different issuer processes. So worked for Carter Worldwide. I worked for the GPS, as they were known at the time that I worked there, and then also worked at Checkout.com on their uh, issuing uh, solution. So it's part of the core team building up that issuing solution. And then 18 months ago, I rejoined Visa in this current role that I'm in now. Nice. It's fair to say you're probably an issuer processor specialist, kind of given your experience. Yeah, it probably is fair to say that. Like I said, I've over 12 years in this space, so I'm probably a little bit of a dinosaur. Yeah, I've been, <laughs> I've been exposed on the acquiring side, the issuing side, the program management side, so probably, probably been involved in most of the ecosystem in my previous roles. Nice. And kind of from your experience, being one of the old guard, let's say, within kind of fintech, what's kind of been the change you've really noticed from 12 years ago and where the industry was to where we are today? Yeah, I'd say um, we work in a very unique industry. There's always seems to be the same same faces of people, people moving around, but kind of sharing expertise. There's many different trends that seem to happen kind of in in yearly cycles. So the biggest one that I've seen since when I started my career to now is at the start of my career, most things were, were driven by cost and, and pricing. Now I would say that actually that's the last thing that really gets discussed. Now it's really the technology, the services that you're providing. And that's really become minimum expectation of what a partner or what someone in the ecosystem needs to provide. And as long as they're happy with those services and those products that they're getting from the partner, then cost comes at the final kind of hurdle before contracting. 10, 12 years ago, it was more a race to the bottom with pricing. So I'd probably say that's the biggest, biggest thing. Also, the products available now are completely different to 12 years ago. 12 years ago, digital wasn't really a thing. Didn't have tokenization, didn't have what phones can do now compared to 12 years ago is completely different. So we're lucky that we work in an industry where things are always evolving, adapting, there's new products, enhancements, and really it's our job to try and keep on top of that as, as best as we can. That's a really interesting point about the race to the bottom historically or or like price being the key determinant and now kind of services and technology. And you, you mentioned that from a, a sales kind of partner perspective or like, you know, within fintechs and what they look for. It's also maybe a way of describing um, how fintechs are evolving in terms of their product offering. I think maybe some of the first ones were 
a little bit about, you know, a race to the bottom in terms of the price they were offering to end users or end customers versus their competitors, which were, you know, the banks. And so they were able to capture maybe market share by offering a lower price point than the incumbents. But I think the shift now has become or moved to not really competing on price because everyone's now at the bottom. All new fintechs are generally at the bottom, but it's now on technology and the services and the user experience and support they offer. Yeah. I also believe that kind of historically you had you had everybody in the, in the ecosystem was offering their core component. So you had issuer processors were processors, card manufacturers were manufacturers, bin sponsors of issuers were issuers, and they specialized in their own individual areas. So therefore, you were contracting with multiple parties because that was how it worked. Nobody had or there was limited people across the whole spectrum of services. Now there's been a, a shift. We have a lot more providers now that are offering more than just one core service. They're offering as much as they can under that, that single contract. So therefore, that does naturally have an impact on the cost anyway, because you're no longer contracting with four or five parties and paying four or five setup fees, four or five yearly minimums, etc. Now you can utilize a single provider and get as much as you need under that single provider. So I just think it's naturally kind of gone into that direction. Also, you know, you mentioned around the fintechs and I think historically before people would just outsource everything to providers. Now with the kind of the, the fintech boom that we had a number of years ago and since then the development of so many new products and new features and also cardholders themselves are a lot more savvy now than they were 10, 12 years ago. So the demands are completely different now. But those fintechs are also exploring, okay, what can we do ourselves versus what do we need to outsource from a partner? So some of them are wanting to do as much as they can in-house and take as much control as they can and utilize the expertise of people for specific functions that they don't have. And other ones maybe are new to card propositions and therefore don't want to build internal teams or hire a whole bunch of people to launch the card program. So so I'd rather just completely outsource it. In that model, there's definitely a trend towards, you know, having as much as possible under as many, under little number of contracts as possible. So therefore under the, a single provider. And is that a, the single provider, single contract trend? Are you seeing more and more of that as time goes on? Or are you seeing it as a an entry point to when a fintech kind of enters the ecosystem, they look for the simplicity. And then as they maybe scale and grow is when they'll kind of add the complexity with the separate kind of contract, separate partner relationships. I actually think it's an element of both. We see more requests for partners who can offer as much as possible under this single contract. And we also work with a number of partners across Europe where actually they want to diversify their services and add more products and, and service to their existing suite of products that they have. And so therefore, even the partners are kind of noticing that trend, and hence why they're trying to diversify their their kind of service offering. So kind of see it from both angles. We see the demand from all of the clients that approach us looking for relevant partners for their card proposition. And we see it from the partners themselves, where we discuss with them uh, how Visa can support them in that journey. And, you know, we have lots of different calls about different products that we can offer to help 
them on that journey to try and add as much kind of products or services under under their offering. It kind of sounds like you're talking about not just startup fintechs, but maybe large scale companies in general looking for that one contract service. Is that correct? Yeah, I think, like I said before, there's it's not just the fintechs. You get we speak with a lot of clients who have never launched a card proposition, but know that they want to launch one or have done relevant research where they believe that launching a card is the best thing for their kind of strategy uh, going forward. But they just simply don't have any expertise. They've never done it before. So in that scenario, often they want a single provider and they're reaching out to us as the scheme to simply ask for our help. So it's definitely not just the smaller fintechs. It's definitely a range of, you know, it can be fintechs, it can be the banks, it can be known brands that haven't launched a card proposition before. So it's definitely across all different types. That's really interesting. And so when these customers, you know, be they small new startup, be they scale up, be they, you know, established business come to you and ask you, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a partner to support, you know, the launching of a card product. How do you advise them on what to look for in a partner that could support them in their growth? Is there any things you say, you know, oh, you should look for this or you should look for that if they can do this or they can do that? Yeah, the most important element at the beginning is is understanding what are they looking to achieve? What's the core requirements of their products? What features do they have in-house versus where do they need a partner? And therefore, we can help them to plug those capabilities that are missing. And then we can help to guide them to the right segment of partners for them. So some of them might have a lot of in-house technology already built uh, that they want to utilize. And therefore, actually, they just need a partner to connect into, into VisaNet for the transaction processing. Others have hardly anything on their platform. Therefore, they pretty much need to outsource everything to their provider and they also need to provide us a whole ledger card balances for them. So it really depends on the requirements and then we map the requirements to help them to try and identify the right kind of partner for them. One thing we do on our side is we would never push individual partners to an opportunity. We always stay agnostic, but we're certainly helping to consult them and to help help them to find what it is that they're lacking or what they're looking for. So that's where we're really trying to provide guidance. And that's where it's critical on our side that we have a really good level of understanding of all of the partners that we work with. We understand what they can do, what they can't do, what segments they're looking to work with people in. And therefore, we're able to really help that mapping of the client with the right partner segment. No, that, that makes sense. I, I want to come back to that mapping and you know selecting of the partners and the different types of partners you guys work with across the ecosystem. But I just want to take a step back because you said something a minute ago that I found interesting where um, you talked about established businesses think a card could play an important role of their st- future strategy. And I want, I guess what the question I have is, why do they explain that a card could be an important part of their strategy? What is it about the card that they think will help grow their business? I mean, a good example is remittance companies, for example, where kind of historically we had workers who had moved from their home country to other countries, sending money back to their families back in their home country, never had a card linked to that to spend. So there was a big shift towards those kind of card propositions. But really our role is to really help provide our expertise and our guidance and 
we have a vast number of people working in different segments and providing market research and and so forth. So really, we're trying to also help to show what what would having a card program do, do for them and what's the benefit of having one. And that's where we're really trying to show the value of having that card program and how Visa can provide that value to them and why we would be the best partner uh, for them on that journey. It makes sense. I mean, you've touched upon, I guess, Visa's role a little bit in kind of your answer there about maybe being an enabler, maybe being a, a signpost to who they could work with and how to build their products. But just more generally, if we speak about Visa's role in the ecosystem, do you think that's your, because you, in essence, you act as like the gatekeeper of payments, right? For card payments, at least that you're, you're one of the, the biggest kind of card networks globally, let's say. How do you guys generally see your role in the ecosystem from your perspective? And what do you see as how you can participate in the growth or how have you participated in the growth of the ecosystem as a whole? Yeah, we're, so at Visa, we're providing a network for our members to connect into. So whether that's a principal member who wants to sign up to Visa directly as a principal member, whether that's a bin sponsor who's working on behalf of a number of clients, whether it's our enablers. So these are the technology partners that are providing their key critical role, but might not necessarily be a direct principal member, but they're a tech partner providing all of the technical ability for that card program to work. So we're really, we're providing that complete network from both the acquiring and the issuing side. We're providing that infrastructure for those transactions to be processed. So transactions to be generated on the acquiring side, sent to our network, pushed onto the processes for the transaction and decisioning. So we're providing that complete infrastructure. We don't want to be seen as a rules-based organization that is just there to dictate rules to our members or to our partners. We want to be seen as as an organization that's providing value, it's providing input, it's able to help provide those gaps to or solutions to problems or issues that our partners have. And really, we want to drive them to be as successful as possible with their card programs. So that's the ultimate goal. And we want our partners to be as successful as possible. We want to do that jointly together. And by doing that, we want to show our value, why people should look to work with us. And also, we want to, my role specifically is around these issuer tech enablers who historically always struggled to have a home at schemes, but are providing some real value and it's often value in the background that a lot of people don't recognize. So in my role, we're really trying to show the value that these partners are providing and we want to help to be you know, the best partner that we can and to help them in their journeys as well as our own journey. I mean, that's really good, right? Because we, we were just touching upon because you know Visa has it say maybe direct partner relationships and customer relationships. But I think what you're saying is you're aware there's a bigger ecosystem at play. And as one of the gatekeepers of the industry, let's say, it's your role to kind of embrace the wider ecosystem and those other enablers, like you said. Could you maybe give us some examples of some enablers or some verticals of enablement that Visa are currently focusing on? Yeah, so... There's a few at the moment. So I would say at the moment, we see a lot of demand in the in the credit space. So we've been doing a lot of product development in the buy now, pay later and the credit space in general to Visa installment solution, for example. 
And also in the digital side, I think we touched on this earlier, but there's been a huge shift to the digital propositions. So click to pay, we've got SDK offerings that are now out there in the market, the ability to tokenize your cards, which that's quite a key one because now tokenization is becoming really the default that you need to have. Whereas maybe four or five years ago, it was a nice to have. When you look in the market now, there's a it's hard to think of many products that don't have some element of tokenization. And that's on that digital side and that digital card experience. That's really where a lot of the innovation and trends are kind of going to. And it's important that we're kind of in line with those trends. We're in a very fortunate position that, you know, we're able to see a lot of these trends and demands from our principal members and also our tech partners. So it's important that we're constantly innovating and we're ahead of the curve and we're able to share the experiences that we have. We can share the trends and we can see all of the information that's available on our side with our partners and really help to educate them. And we have a number of products that we built and that we can offer to our partners to help meet some of these trends. I believe sometimes people might not necessarily be knowledgeable or know what we're able to offer. And therefore, it's really important that we're showing across everything what we can offer to our partners. And I guess that makes sense, right? Because you have access to probably all the data in the world relating to payments, you can see and spot the trends and you can see the shifts as they occur and you know you can build products and then cater for shifts as they occur. But if we look at generally the ecosystem, people also maybe have access to less data, but can identify maybe shifts in demand from other fintechs or like customers, as we said. And there, um, when we look at like maybe enablement across the ecosystem, the industries or verticals that come to mind are stuff like core banking platforms, program managers, maybe orchestration layers. How does your role at Visa facilitate working with these sort of partners? And, and historically, have Visa always worked with these partners or is, is maybe that kind of what you're looking at driving internally in terms of building relationships across the wider ecosystem and not just maybe the obvious players like customers and direct bin sponsors processes that Visa, it would make sense to work with? Yeah, that's a really, that's a really good point that you raised because you've kind of hit the nail on the head of why the team that I'm in was created in the first place. So our team is responsible for all of the tech partners in Europe, but we have equivalents in each of the regions globally. And our core function is across all of those tech partners, whether that's issuer processes, program managers, orchestration layers, core banking providers, etc. And so we're here specifically to partner with all of those segments that I've just outlined and that you've mentioned. So to do that, it's really understanding where are these are these companies playing now? Where do they want to play or where where's their strategy and how can we support them in that strategy? Because it does vary. An issuer processor is already connected to VisaNet. For example, if they're a certified Visa Visa issuer processor, they tend to have a lot of things already built out on their issuing platform. So we might be helping them to go into new geographies or new regions or look at new segments that maybe they haven't launched many card programs historically. Whereas kind of program managers, for example, there's not even a single definition of a program manager because some of them are principal member directly themselves. Some of them have in-house issuer processing. Some of them are what we would call 
pure program manager where they're white labeling the bin sponsorship and the issue of processing. So their demands would be different from a pure issue processor or a core banking provider. So what we've kind of, what we've been very key or what we've kind of always looked at when we've been trying to develop our partnership strategy is that there's not a one size fits all across all of these partners. We have to recognize that. We have to then determine how we can best provide value to the relevant segments that we're working with and then show that value to them. So whether that's helping them with kind of our visa consultancy team to help them with any kind of expansion or or market research that we can provide to them, whether that's consuming some of the visa products that we have. And we've got a number of visa products across digital risk, you name it, we will have a product on it. So we can help them with the enablement of their platforms. You know, we can discuss with them relevant processes or things to consider. So there's a whole range of things that we can provide value in. And it's just ensuring that we tailor that kind of partnership strategy for each of these segments and understanding what it is that they need. And what value do you see in, or do Visa see in partnering with program managers and orchestration layers? Like at the end of the day, what are, why do you think their role is important to the industry? They provide a complete holistic set of services and products under a single contract. And that's, we see a lot of trends. We see a lot of demand from our clients for to work with such players. We also recognize that historically, maybe we didn't play so well in this space. And it's a space that we we want to partner with these program managers and these orchestration layers. We want to show why we would be a good partner to work with. And the market demand is, is certainly going in that direction. And there's there's so many of these providers that are out there and they're kind of the unsung hero because because they're providing or they're powering a card program but aren't necessarily the one in the in the flashing lights as such. And they're playing a really key role in these card programs, not just here in the UK, but across Europe and globally. And it's a it's a unique kind of situation where we we need and we want to show why working with Visa is why it would be such a good decision for these these partners. You touched on something interesting there, which I, I picked up on was uh, you said historically you maybe haven't played very well in the space and stuff. And obviously earlier you said your team was going to create to solve that issue. That it must be quite a challenging process to go through at such a big company to enact such large scale change. Just talk us through what that's been like for you and kind of creating a new outlook, let's say internally on widening the scope of who you work with at Visa. Yeah, I'm very, very fortunate that I work at a forward-thinking company. My direct management are always encouraging us to bring kind of our ideas to the table and to really push those ideas internally. We've hired a number of people with external experience. We've been fortunate enough to see it from from the outside as such. Um, so therefore, we're bringing new new ideas and, and, and fresh ideas. So honestly, it's not been too difficult to drive that forward internally we've been able to show the value that it will bring not only to visa but to the partners that we would partner with and also the wider opportunities that we've got um because we'd be able to work together with these partners for kind of joint opportunities going forward and that would only be a benefit to our partners and to us of course to do that 
does mean change internally, does mean education at times internally, but people are very willing to listen to kind of an external viewpoint and really dive together to build the right solution that we can then take to market. Because it's very important that we create a partnership approach that's going to work and be beneficial for these program managers and orchestration layers. Because if not, really, we've got one shot. If we go to the market and it's not the right approach, then we're back to square one and you'll know what it's what it's like. It will take time to then, you know, come back and build that element of trust. So that's where we've kind of been spending a lot of time in the last six months, hosting events. We're looking to host more events and we're looking to have committees uh, and so forth to really show, you know, that we're not just here for the short term in this segment. We want to be here as a long-term partner and to provide value in the long term. No pressure then on you and your team to deliver, I guess. Yeah, it's been interesting 12 months, but yeah, it's a good challenge. And I think, you know, it's, I mean, everyone, when you go to work, you want, you want that reason to be, to go to work. And, um, and I'm very fortunate that, like I said, I work in a, in an organization where we're kind of embraced to bring our ideas and then we're able to kind of execute those and really, you know, run with those. So yes, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good challenge and one that, that our team and Visa is looking forward to. It sounds like you built a mini startup culture within such a, a big organization, which is good. Yeah, but that kind of, there goes, our team was created two years ago in Europe. Before that, many tech enablers, they had uh, conversations or connections into Visa, but not necessarily a, a home for them. So we've already been doing this for the last two years. We've been in, so it's really an expansion of what we've been doing for the last two years, building that foundation. So it's really using that foundation to now take on more partners in the ecosystem. Makes sense. And then you've also you touched upon a lot about, you know, people, the partners now, program managers, enablers have a home at Visa, that you, Visa find them an important partner moving forward in the ecosystem and they have an important role to play the young sung heroes. You also said there's already quite a lot out there in the market. How do program managers in your opinion and these enablers differentiate themselves from each other and do you think there's room for more program managers or enablers to come and how should they look to kind of play in this market yeah it's it's an interesting question i'm often told told off when i call some of the program managers a program manager so that probably highlights straight away how they differentiate from each other because each, a lot of the companies recognize themselves in a different way. So whether that's orchestration layer or tech platform or program manager, what they're able to provide themselves versus what they need to what label or use from a, a third party or an outsourced provider, that plays a role in how their service offering will differ. You know, we have a number of products that we think will help them to differentiate as well. So our acquisitions of Tink and Currency Cloud, for example, are, are really important to note because that you know, that can help them to have direct open banking or direct market currency solutions. But it's an interesting point and it's one that we will continue to, to learn about over the next 12 months and beyond. The UK is very dominant in terms of the tech partners that it, that it has out there, it's historically been the home of many tech partners. But actually, we kind of realized that there's not 
although there's lots of program managers and orchestration layers that can operate across Europe, there's not many that exists outside of Europe, outside of the UK, sorry. And so actually there's quite a big market to across all of Europe for these partners. And it's definitely something that we'd like to explore further with these partners as we go on this journey together. So there's room for more partners, program managers, orchestration layers, but maybe more in Europe than in the UK? There's always room for new providers. There's definitely new markets to target. And I think that's really a, a key thing to be looking at. It's, you know, we're not looking at it from a UK only perspective, even though the majority that we're in discussions with are kind of UK based. We're looking at the approach across all of Europe. And I definitely think across all of Europe, there's there's room for more providers, but there's also a huge number of existing providers that have they have fantastic platforms and really maybe they haven't been out there as much. I mean, yesterday, for example, I met I met a company, an issue a processor, that said to me, look, we've been in the background for too long. We've been providing all of these services uh, and products and we've been building these card programs on behalf of our clients but we haven't been marketing ourselves properly and haven't been out there as much and therefore people don't know what we've really been doing and i actually think that can be true of the program managers and so you know we want to we understand their importance we understand what they are bringing to these card programs and to companies like ourselves and we want to you know we want to recognize and make sure that they're make sure that they receive that recognition for what they're providing. The unsung heroes, as you said, getting some recognition, I think, is kind of where you're trying to take it. Absolutely. I, yeah, I cannot echo that enough. I think the unsung hero status is uh, definitely applicable. You know, how many of us who work outside of payments speak to our partners, our friends, our family, and try to explain what we do and... How many times do you get a response back that's, oh, I just thought it was the bank that I have my card with or the fintech I have my card with does everything. Uh, we've probably all been there. I've been there a number of times, even with my own own family, even though I've been working in this industry for you know 12 years. And I think that alone shows how people think that launching a card program is so easy. It's one company just making sure everything works and that's it. But for us that have been in industry for, for a while, like myself and UMR, I think we recognize it's a lot more difficult. And it's not, you don't have an idea to launch a card program within two days, you can launch one and it magically works. There's a lot of work that gets done in the background. And also there's a lot of work that happens in the background to keep maintaining that those card programs can do what they do. They're always available, that you never go to a terminal and experience any downtime and your payment's not working and you're kind of stranded at that point of sale. And also that these mobile applications and these banking capabilities are always evolving to client demand. And I think we touched on that earlier that customers or cardholders are a lot more savvy than they were before. They're not afraid to say what it is that they're looking for. And with the choice out there on the market now for card propositions, it's never been as easy to switch to new card programs if you're not happy with your current card offering and so it's important that the fintechs the banks and anyone launching a card proposition is keeping up to date with their current demand and their tech partner is playing a key is playing a key role in helping them to to keep up with that client demand 
I think you're absolutely spot on there. The education piece in particular with family is a point I've experienced where I don't think any of my family really understand what I do, what we do here at IF. So uh, it's an interesting one. And I think it's so, I don't know if it, I think launching a fintech is so unnecessarily complicated sometimes because you speak to a, a founder or maybe even when I joined the industry, you're like, you know, like I want to launch a card or I want to launch a fintech and, you know, okay, I need to understand this. I need to bank account, account number, sort code, a card with a card number. But what else? Like, why is there sometimes so much complexity? And and I think you only really learn it as you try and do the process of it and go through the kind of the journey. But I definitely have spoken to, you know, founders or people over the years where there's like, oh, it's just so much nuance in this industry. There's so much random complexity that comes in this tiniest little detail can derail a project that's maybe been going for six or 12 or 18 months just because there's this tiny little line of detail somewhere that no one's ever seen and i think it's so interesting um you could be in this industry for 12 years like yourself and you'll learn something so nuanced tomorrow then you're like oh i should have you know known this for years it's just a quirk of our industry i guess we're learning every day you know, and it's important that we're not scared to ask questions and that we continue to educate ourselves and learn. You raised some good points. I mean, I can't count the number of times when I've read the issue of processes that people have come in and asked, okay, I want to launch a card proposition like so-and-so. Tell me how to do it. Absolutely no knowledge. You know, and the first step is always saying, okay, let's take a step back. It will tell you how the ecosystem works and what's needed. And then you can see that, like you said, you can see that, ah, I didn't realize there was so much that was needed. But that's the beauty of of a program manager or an orchestration layer. Because in that scenario, actually, they're saying, look, we can do all of this on your behalf. You don't need to have that experience. You don't need to build that knowledge and hire all of these teams that you need to build out and do for the very first time. We'll do that. We can do the heavy lifting on your behalf. And we'll provide all of this under that single contract. So it's really, really powerful. And it's powerful for people looking to launch a card proposition for the first time for new fintechs or or new companies, like you mentioned, with founders or CEOs or staff that have never worked in our space before. And also, it's just, it's important across even known brands and existing banks or existing fintechs that maybe they want to diversify away from their core kind of card offering today. And maybe they want to launch a new card offering or a new card proposition, but don't necessarily have the ability to put a lot of time and investment and development into it. So therefore, what easier way than to find someone who can do that all on your behalf to quickly launch that proof of concept or that new card proposition uh, and then grow together. So really the role of a program manager and, a, and an orchestration layers across many different use cases. Like I said, it's all of that expertise in one place, you're leveraging that partner and you're taking a lot of that heavy lifting and development work off of them. You know, you can completely outsource that under a single contract. I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head in terms of the value of program managers and orchestration layers to the industry, to people looking to launch card propositions. There is so much nuance as we said a second ago there's so much complexity that so much education that needs to occur and all of that takes time to learn and takes time to build if you try and build it from scratch like 
you could launch a proposition in a relatively quick amount of time, get your product to market, you know, get user feedback and launch, grow, scale that. And at the same time, learn all the complexity, but with a live product in the market. And then over time, if you wanted this intermediate, and if you want to, you know, try and build it all yourself, you can, but there's, there's very little maybe value in doing that, right? Like, why take on all that responsibility, all of that complexity, if you have something that already works? And I think, yeah, I think you've really hit the nail on the head on the value that program managers and orchestration layers build on top of also, you know, reducing the legal complexity with, you know, with one contract and reducing your costs, right? At, at the same time, you said earlier, fewer setup fees, like a combined lower monthly recurring costs that you'll be paying as a fintech or, you know, looking someone looking to embed financial products into their kind of existing product stack. No, I think that's a, yeah, really, really excellent summary. I think also, most importantly, you can launch that card proposition a lot quicker. And how many times have we been in conversations where one of the first questions is, how quickly can I launch? Or I want to launch by X. And if you're not aware of how the ecosystem works and what's needed, and you're demanding to be launched in four weeks, you know, it's a difficult situation to be in. That program manager often has bins on the shelf or, or bins that are ready for the kind of available to use and can just launch a lot quicker and get that uh, client up and running as quick as possible. And that's in the benefit of all parties. So yeah, I think I mean, that's also an important, an important point. Absolutely. Time to market, getting something out in customer's hand is absolutely key because then it's so easy to make assumptions on what people or customers or cardholders want. But as you said earlier, they're so much better educated. They're so much more sophisticated than they are, than they were, sorry, a few years ago. They know what they want. So they'll tell you very clearly what they want. And if it's, if you build something that's not what they want, like you also said, they can go elsewhere, right? So it's get your product into customers' hands, learn from them directly rather than kind of just making assumptions on, on what they want. Yeah, it, exactly. And when you're launching a hard proposition for the first time, you need to nail it on that initial, that initial launch. How many of us have been there when you get a new card, it doesn't work? the first one or two times. There's a high percentage of people that if that transaction doesn't work on the first and second time, that card goes in the back of the wallet and they never use it again. If the cardholder experience is not good on the front end application, they'll just abandon the registration for the card. So, And that's where kind of the fintech boom really helped. I think it changed and it moved the kind of cardholder journey away from being needing to complete lengthy kind of registration processes and waiting days to receive the card, et cetera. Now it's, you know, it's all about, okay, I'm going to download this app. I'm going to fill in my personal details. I'm going to press this button. It's going to say that I can get my physical card in two to three days, but I can get a virtual card straight away and I can already start spending. And all of that can be done within five minutes or even less. And so, you know, we can't, can't ignore the power that that has but you need to get that right. And if you don't, then it's really hard if you launch and you haven't got that right to really effectively relaunch. And so these partners that are playing such a pivotal role in the background, they've got such a key role to play. And also they you know, they have that they have a lot of dependency on the on the tech stack on their services to ensure that, that they're powering that card program as best as they can. 
100% agree. Well, Carl, it's been great having you on the podcast today. I think we've really touched upon some interesting topics and how the future of the ecosystem relies on those unsung heroes of program managers and orchestration layers. So thank you for that. I have a question I always ask guests at the end. That is a bit of a curveball, so I hope you don't mind. You obviously work for Visa, a massive corporation. You've obviously been around other issuer processes and acquirers over your kind of 12 years in industry. But my question to you is, if you were going to start your own fintech or your own company, maybe in general, what would it be and why? Yeah, that is a curveball. Oh, that's a great question. Unrelated to payments or linked to payments? Can be Absolutely anything, right? anything you want. Yeah, so, so personally, my daughter is type 1 diabetic. So my daughter's six years old was diagnosed a few years ago so if i was to create something it would be it would be around the type 1 diabetes and the education of that i think i never realized how many people are even not aware of it or don't know what it means until she's being diagnosed so personally i would do something around that but it's a great question i wouldn't know how that would work or look but i would look to do something in that in that arena, I would say. Well, that's a very noble, noble cause. I think maybe once you've accomplished all your payment objectives, that could be something you look at in the future. Yeah, I'm, uh, I have plenty on my plate at the moment of visas. So, um, yeah, a lot of challenges going forward, but a lot of positive change going forward. So, uh, yeah, I'm def- I'll definitely be kept busy. I think I'm not in any rush to believe in the role that I'm in. So, um, I think the diabetes research experience can be in the back burner for a while. Makes sense. Thank you, Carl, for uh, joining the interview today. It's been great to have you on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks to all the listeners as well. So thank you.